saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. Listeners should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. Welcome to the Wolf Den. This is Dan David back with you. We have the pack with us. Actually, we only have Carl, our sound engineer, God help us all, for the pack today. Our other three guys are just not available or opening the market. We have a very special guest, Ann Stevenson Yang of JCAP Research. Uh, Ann has been on my radar for over 10 years as a China expert in many different fields, not just on the short side, but on policy as well. Most recently, Anne and JCAP released a short bias report on BitDigital, BTBT. You might remember BTBT because we talked about it last week when we were talking to Professor Paul Gillis and Herb Greenberg, and we just kind of waxed on for a few minutes about, hey, a car rental company that decides to go into Bitcoin mining out of China. What could go wrong? And what could go wrong? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Um, and uh, let me say I'm a fan of, of Wolfpack as well, as well as of your political career, despite the fact that I'm a Democrat. <laughs> um, I want the real Republicans to come back. So, um, yeah, bit digital. What could go wrong? Like th- this company has had three fraudulent businesses in its three years as a listed company. So just there the three was- in three years then? Yeah, right. And that was also magic number three applies to the number of auditors they've had resigned the account um, before the awesome. annual results were, were in. And these are like really kind of tier three auditors right. to add to the threes. I mean, you know, a, an auditor named Wei Wei, what? which is Wei? what you say on the telephone Wei? in China. <laughs> Wei Wei, who's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, another one called JLKZ, and which is cannot be found on the PCAOB. No, no, website. no, no. That's that's I mean, that's Jay Z's auditing firm. That's really? Jay Z's. Uh, yeah, sure. He's an auditor now. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah. So first, they have this this uh, fraudulent P two P business, which was actually closed down by the Chinese police, who uh, have kept a bunch of people in jail. And accused the company of stealing 42 million U.S. dollars. Now the P2P business is peer-to-peer lending. You're talking about, yeah, that's right? Exactly, peer-to-peer lending. But they didn't make loans. They just took investments in loan securities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they diverted a lot of that supposed investment money into their own accounts, personal accounts. That's wrong. Yeah, imagine that. You this shouldn't, is what's you wrong shouldn't with do that. that. Okay. Well. <laughs> I think the problem for them was they were doing it in China with Chinese citizens' money, right? No, the problem with it is that it it all uh, the Ponzi collapsed, so they couldn't uh, they couldn't return the money. So you know when you're getting more and more capital in, then you can keep on paying people out. But when you stop getting capital in, then you can't 
pay people out. So that was the problem. Then they had this this uh, this car rental business, which mm. they still advertise in the U.S., yeah. but they've never rented a car as far as we can determine. What they have done is taken deposits from uh, investors in order to put down deposits on cars. And then they get this. They write down the cash deposits to zero. Like, how do you write cash to zero? Well, you go out and spend it on yourself. Exactly, exactly. And call it a write down. So that's what they've been doing. Uh, and then they started this uh, Bitcoin mining business. As one does. As one does, um, as of, of course all of us must have done. Um, and they're claiming a really. Is, is this built on AI technology as well? Uh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's the next step. Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, like they, they say they've got 41,000 plus miners. Right. Um, we can't find them. You know, really? We called all the local governments in, in. And these are pretty small localities. They corrected their. They quickly corrected their disclosures to just name provinces so that nobody would find the uh, localities. But right. they let it slip and put in names of a couple localities. These are small, small cities or towns in Xinjiang and Inner Mongolia provinces. And, you know, in China, government authorities have to approve these uh, data centers and mining operations. So they have a, a, a record of all the registration. So we called the government officials to like, I don't know, never heard of them. No, we don't have any Bitcoin in this locality. So then we call all the, the companies that supposedly supplied their mining machines and they're all like, no, never heard of them. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and these are companies they've disclosed as supplying their mining machines, right? Yeah, exactly. And they give the uh, models and everything. Now, you know, maybe they bought them secondhand. I don't know. Uh, that many but machines? we asked a couple mining people, like, did anybody go bust last year who would have sold 40 machines? And they're like, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a very interesting thing. And it's, and it's part of the due diligence that you bring to the table, right? I mean, it's not just looking at this at face value and seeing that this is ridiculous at face value, but you're calling these government officials in Inner Mongolia and elsewhere, and you're calling their supposed suppliers and they're all giving you never heard of them. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Where does that take you next? I mean, where is it going to take us next? Nobody seems to care a whole lot. Um, I think I told you that that Twitter uh, closed our company account because they said that we were disclosing intimate information without the agreement of the company. This is this is based on a on a little film that I made of uh, based on, on public information, uh, news clips, mashups. And I guess maybe they couldn't confirm them because they're in Chinese. I don't know, but you know, so, so I can't access the company account on Twitter. So Twitter just shut you down because you, you Twitter you, shut me down. Yeah. That, uh, that is, <laughs> that's getting ridiculous. It really is. And this is based on just the one uh, little film you put together uh, to try and explain the situation? Yeah, there, there are three of these things, each under two minutes um, on our website, which anybody can still see. And that was the, uh, one of those films was what Twitter called the offending um, intimate information. I deleted it, but I'm appealing the, the decision. So Twitter still has me shut out. Well, look, in all fairness, they should get back to you sometime next year on that appeal. You'll be fine. Yeah, right, exactly. Because they have such a careful doxing strategy. They, they really do. And that, that intimate 
information you put out seem to be, I don't know, things like people who run the company are in jail? Yeah, confirmed by online uh, public cases from the Chinese authorities. Well, tell me about that. What, what's going on? Who's in jail? How did this happen? What is their role in the company? So in, in July of uh, 2019, the police raided the, um, the VIE of uh, BTBT in Shanghai, and they closed it down. Uh, they arrested 17 people, including the... Um, the, the major shareholder who then had about 50% of the company uh, named Liu Xiaohui, who still is in jail. They still have, I think, five people in jail. And the, uh, the former chairman and CEO of the company, the founder, whose name is Zhang Arxin, is being sought by the Chinese police. The Chinese police, the document indicates that they've put out a notice through Interpol, but I haven't found such a notice. So I don't, I don't know, but he's being uh, sought by Chinese police. The company put a notice on its door. Our office, is, our office location is secret. Uh, the, um, the, the customer <laughs> service department took calls and said, oh yeah, our chairman's in the US raising money, which is probably true. Um, and, and the chairman is, is who the Chinese police are seeking? Yeah, that's right. But they replaced him in October. Um, that seems so that like a good move. He's still a shareholder. He's still a key shareholder, but he's not the uh, CEO and chairman anymore. And, but they put in, in place this guy. It's really cute, his background. He claims to have a law degree from Qingdao Qiushi College. Qingdao Qiushi does not offer studies in law. It's a oh. high school level institution that, um, that you, you apply to if you can't pass the high school exam. Wow. And it gives technical degrees in various things like, I don't know, woodworking or joining and welding, stuff like that. Um, so I don't know where he could have gotten a law degree from. It also shouldn't really be translated college because um, it's not- More like a vocational school? Yeah. And this is the current CEO? That's the current CEO, yeah. And I, I take it you're of the mind that this current CEO uh, is not actually really running the company, but is maybe a straw straw man cut out. Yeah, he's a placeholder. He doesn't, as far as as far as we can discern, have uh, shareholding, whereas the on the land CEO does have right. shareholding. Um, and uh, you know who? What exactly was the authority that replaced the, those guys anyway? How did they have a meeting with all their directors jailed? Unclear. Unclear. Yeah. And what were they jailed for? Was this the peer-to-peer lending business? Yeah, that was for the peer-to-peer lending business for, they called it illegally raising money from the public. Right. So, well, you've got to give them props because I mean, the, the car rental business and the Bitcoin mining, I I guess came from them when they were in jail. They just kind of like thought about this idea and phoned it in. Is that, is that how it happened? You think? Could have, I don't know. And then they they discard the whole China business by getting rid of the holding company. As one does when you're in jail for it, yeah? As one does, right? And they set up a new company, which is now based in Flushing, New York, yeah. aptly named. Right. Um, <laughs> and that's where, yeah. the, that's where the car rental business is supposed to be. I, I looked it up <laughs> yeah, on Google right. Maps and it looks like, is it next to a taco stand or something like that? Yeah, something like that. A noodle place. Um, so, so they, you know, they set up this new company, but they haven't really told investors. They kind of had to, but they haven't clearly disclosed that they don't actually own anything in China anymore, which makes it all the more ridiculous that they claim they've got 
at least 21,000 machines in China because you're not allowed to without a, a legal represented, you know, a, a legally registered office. And they don't have one of those. And they don't have one of those. So you right. can, I mean, like, obviously, you can't be a Bitcoin miner in China if you don't if you don't have a business set up for that in China and license, correct? Exactly, exactly. So they acquired this this shell in Hong Kong called Xmax. Yeah. It's not really clear what they acquired because Xmax, the company, doesn't disclose anything about uh, about Bit Digital and is still operating its website and its company happily without mentioning Bit Digital. But anyway, Xmax is an operator of mining pools, or so they say. But last May, the founder of Xmax, who is now a, an executive of, of Bit Digital, announced on, on the, uh, the Chinese site Weibo that their mining machines had been confiscated by the government and they'd closed down their mining operations. So even through them, I don't get how Bit Digital can have anything. This is, I, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is this is one of the more ridiculous ones I've seen or heard heard of in years, and that's saying something. That's saying something. It's like the most fraudulent company I've ever seen, and that's wow. saying a lot after living in China for twenty five years. And exposing, I mean, look, you a dozen, a couple of dozen that you've exposed. Yeah, I mean, the the first the first company that I that I shorted in China, you know, that I published a short report on in China was because I was actually looking around in the agriculture space and I go into this, this office and they like don't know that they're listed except for the chairman, the chairman does. Right. Apart from the, the him, all the rest of them are like, no, we don't have a listed, what, US? No, I don't know anything What company about was that? that, was it CGA? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember we followed on CGA after you did. You know, Li Tao died, right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Uh, two weeks after the movie The China Hustle came out, which he was featured in, he uh, died of natural causes. I think he was 39. Mm. Very, well, he was... Uh, very interesting. He didn't look Rest like the, peace, the uh, most healthy guy, but uh, what happened to his companies then? CGA and Cone, K-O-N-E. Well, I think Cone went out a while ago. I think CGA just kind of like hangs on in there, trades by appointment. Kind of drifting around at, at $10 million or yeah, something. Yeah, the exchanges don't do anything about any of these companies anymore, right? They they used to halt these companies 10 years ago and investigate, uh, and very rarely did that come out good for the company. Uh, but it would cause some kind of pushback against the exchanges. And I think since they found, they just, you know, let price discovery happen. And if that means you get squeezed, you get squeezed. If that means it goes down 90%, then it goes down 90%, but they just don't get involved anymore. And that's, I have to tell you, Ann, I've read your report, and it, it's, I mean, it's damning. To me, it looks like a complete zero from what I'm reading here. And I haven't, in all candor, done my own research. I'm just taking your report at face value. And having said that, I mean, this is a billion and a half dollar company yesterday. And we should say that it's down over 25% since you published your report. But my point is, if I take all of this at face value, it should be down 90%. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not in this heavy, right? Like I'm not taking a big short position because you don't know what's going to happen on the pump here. And the exchanges aren't going to do anything about it. Maybe the SEC will halt it someday in the future, but you have no idea. It, you We could be GSX'd as I would call it. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, 
you have two classes of problems here. One class of problem is all of this money that's floating around the markets that lands in the pockets of you know Robinhood traders, and then stocks like Bit Digital get pumped. The other problem is is the really big stocks that just don't disclose anything about their business and to people like us are obvious frauds like Alibaba. And now the Alibaba founder and chairman has just disappeared. I mean, we don't know where Jack Ma is and we, we assume that he's being questioned by Chinese authorities. And yet the stock just kind of like hovers, what is it, 10% down since all of that happened? And I yet- mean, Alibaba will be fine. And listen, for my, for my case, you know, I've never said Alibaba is an obvious fraud. I've said that you you can't obviously prove they're a fraud and you can't obviously prove they're not a fraud, which is a problem with a company that side you, size. You should be able to prove like with Amazon through their financial filings or eBay or any of these other companies that a company is not a fraud. And with with Alibaba, they make sure you can't do that. It's so complicated. And I do. And I and I am convinced that there are definitely, you know, um, misrepresentations made on Alibaba's behalf. But I, you know, look, and if, if you're asking my opinion, yeah, it's down 10 percent. It's going to be fine uh, because China will make it fine. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, my theory on Alibaba has always been that once it no longer can raise, you know, gobs and gobs of cash for the Hangzhou economy, then one of the Chinese telcos is going to take it out. So it will really? be it will be forced to merge with Unicom or, or China Mobile. I mean, Alibaba we'll will. Yeah, I think so. Really? That's a hell yeah. of a merger. I think so. I mean, that would the thing is, it has to come down a lot first because the shares of Alibaba are nominally worth so much more. It's just such a ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, what, what, is, what is the value, value now? Half a trillion dollars, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and well, you know, everybody's everybody's U.S. pension fund is in that thing. I this know, is no I know, longer I know, a three hundred yeah. million dollar you know joke on on the firefighters of Oklahoma's pension fund or whatever the hell it is. Now it's a joke on every single citizen of the U S well, who has I, money I, in the pension fund. I think that's one of the reasons. And, and, you know, I don't want to get Alibaba off on a tangent here. We, we just did a show on them. Uh, but I think it's one of the reasons in my mind. And again, I don't have a, a different necessarily a different view of them than you do, but I think they'll be fine because to lose that much pension money, and to lose that much qualified money all at once with a catastrophic failure of Alibaba of any kind would just be too much for us to handle. And it would be a day of reckoning for China. So China, I think, will make sure that they're okay. But who knows? There are so many problems that maybe they won't be. Maybe this SEC investigation will turn something up as well. Yeah, so I I think that the way the Chinese authorities look at these things is how much money can you bring in? That means new raises, uh, pipes, loans, IPOs, whatever like that. It isn't about the actual value that's on the market because that's secondary money that they don't see. I I agree. So back back to Bit Digital. This is not a long report. I mean, the, which is one. One of the hallmarks to something being, you know, kind of an obvious fraud, if that's what this is, that you don't have to wax on for, you know, 100 pages. I think we're looking at like 20 pages here or something with a lot of charts and graphs that just kind of show that this is complete bullshit. And, you know, underwritten by, I don't know, great companies like ViewTrade, whoever the hell they are. 
I've never. Oh, you've, you've even got a chart here of of all the companies that View Trade or many of the companies View Trade is underwritten. It looks like the best performing is down sixty percent. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Wow. So you kind of wonder what the story is with View Trade. Um, so you know, View Trade, even their um, their external IR only does external IR for really fraudy companies. So I figure they probably take shares in exchange. I don't know. Right, right. What's your, uh, what's your take on BTBT from here? I mean, look, I think that this whole market starts to deflate because I think that the, that the silly money is, is going to come out of the market uh, as Biden comes in. And, really? uh, and, and I think that we're going to see a massive deflation of the bubble this year. Um, that's what I said last year, though. Yeah, I, I kind of I've said that for a few years, too. And I don't think that'd be very good for, for Biden. Uh, but we'll see. It seems like he's of the mind to continue to print money and and uh, help people who are out of work. You know, I don't you know, I don't really know what to say about that at this point. The, the debt's so big, I just can't wrap my head around it. You stack the dollars on top of each other, and you could go to the moon and back four times with with our debt, whatever that means. But with BTBT, and that's what we're here to talk about today, it seems like this report writes itself. I'm sorry to say that Twitter has adjudicated in their mind quickly with swift and blinding Twitter justice, taking down some of their, uh, their uh, tweets. You should go to JCAP's website to see these uh these what was on these tweets and the the work they did egregious tweets the egregious tweets they had yeah that were calling calling for uh disclosure wow (laughs) public disclosure yeah Yeah. well you have to admit that the that the front page graphic of the offending tweet was kind of pink tinted so maybe their ai thought that it was flesh right (laughs) there you are there you are well i i as I see it now, it is racist. There you go. <laughs> right. There you go. All right. Well, this was a great report, and I liked that it. it was short, straight to the point. And I, I loved uh, BTBT's response today, which is, you know, we're down, what, uh, 35 40% yesterday. We will so respo- let's raise $80 million. <laughs> <Yeah>. We will <laughs> respond to JCAP, not at all, and raise $80 million in a credit line. Is that what it is? Yes. Uh huh. Wow. Otherwise known as distressed debt. Otherwise known, yeah, yeah. This was this toxic debt in this uh, credit line. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, who knows the discount that they're issuing at? The last time they they issued a little bit of debt, it was one point six million or something, and they took a twenty two percent haircut on it, and it's due in three months. I mean, that's how desperate this company is. One point six million. Yeah. And somebody and, so, and somebody so just tossed them eighty million. million? Well, that was before. That was a loan before this. Now the eighty million. I don't know what the discount rate's going to be, or what the strike price of the shares is going to be, but you can be sure it's going to be harsh. Wow. Well, I will be paying attention to this. I would love even where it's at right now, trading. I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen bucks. You would think that you could just take a huge short position in this and wait for it to go to zero, but I am telling you, even. In my mind, where I believe every word of this report and I believe every word of and saying, that is probably not a smart idea. You can put in there what you can afford to get squeezed and pay attention closely. I think it all ends the same way. I think Anne is right. But be careful trading around this one as you should have been careful on GSX or any other.
Anything else to add, Anne? I don't think so, Dan. Well, great we'll work. Keep on forging on. Yeah, great work. I look forward to reading your next report. And for those of you that uh, have never heard of JCAP before, you should follow them. They're great on Twitter. Anne has her own Twitter handle. What is your What is your Twitter handle, Anne? It's Domenz, D-O-U-M-E-N-Z-I, which means, as you probably know, uh, private joke in Beijing dialect. <laughs> there you go. Not even Mandarin. It's in Beijing dialect. So yeah, right. <laughs> right straight down to it. So go to her Twitter feed. Go to her website. If you like what you see, like it, retweet it. If you like our podcast, like it, retweet it. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.